Hello, we've been expecting you. I'd like to welcome you to Thoughts from Aunt Wu, the Avatar podcast where we know the future. Today we will be discussing Book 2, Episode 9, Bitter Work. And this will be a very short episode. Here's the story of the episode. What's there to tell? I threw some rocks at the Avatar, he got all whiny, Sokka fell in a hole. That's it, we're done. See you guys all next week. Great episode! I am kidding. <laughs> um, oh, that is a very good description of this episode, and I being tough. So, today on my panel, Whoa. I have Lindsay. Hi! Charles. <laughs> Mr. Corey. Hey. And a returning guest, you. Woo! I'm back. He is back. Hello. Got to be back. Thank my you. favorite. He is a, he's a very good, very good person, Yoon. So, before we begin, let's get through a little bit of housekeeping stuff. If you are listening to us on SoundCloud, we have a few exciting announcements. First, we launched a Game of Thrones recap shows that will be live Mondays at 8.30 called The Crossroads Inn. In this case, we'll be doing very similar things to what we do here, except with Game of Thrones, and rather than talking about the context of the entire show because of course we don't know how game of thrones is in the end we are talking about things based on just the episode we saw the night before but we do a lot of fun stuff with all the interesting book implications lots of the theories that are floating around as well as some random minutiae about betting odds and things like that so if you want to check if you want to check that out i will put a link to both the youtube uh, playlist as well as the live Twitch page that we stream it on. Um, Corey is on that show with me along with a few other people, uh, and we might hear some retur- some guests from Thoughts from Mount Wu on that uh, show as well. So if you're interested in Game of Thrones, you can check that out. Also, as I kind of mentioned, we have a YouTube channel now. The YouTube channel will be for our Game of Thrones content as well as some Hearthstone content. Uh, I've teased out some of the Hearthstone stuff before. Unfortunately, it been took a little time to get going, but we did a review, at least Corey and I did, of the first five cards that were just announced from the recent announced Knights of the Frozen, Frozen Throne expansion for Hearthstone. So if you're into Hearthstone, you can check that out. Once again, a link to that YouTube page will be in the description. And finally, I am very pleased to announce our website, thoughtsfromontwoo.com has been launched. This is where you will find all of our information for the podcast here, as well as all of our Game of Thrones, Hearthstone, and potentially any other content. We should be having some really cool art coming out. Um, I want to give a shout out to Lindsay for being just incredibly good and uh, helping us out with some art. So all of this stuff will be in the episode description. And also with that, we will also have a comment section on our website. So if you want to leave comments on these episodes, you can as well. Um, I'm thinking about posting the um, SoundCloud or posting the audio files to uh, YouTube if you want to watch them on YouTube. But since we don't record these with video, I'm not entirely sure about that. But we'll make that decision going forward. We're really Uh, going places. Yes, yes, we are. So that concludes all of our housekeeping. Uh, But before we start with our initial thoughts, I also want to give a quick shout-out to a different podcast, Um, and this is just purely something I listened to and thought was awesome, and I think if you like Avatar, you should check out. Um, There's a podcast called Sound Exploder. Uh, It's uh, hosted by someone named Rishi K. Sherway. I'll put a uh, a link to that podcast in the description. He does uh, interviews with different uh, musicians and composers about songs and, and their experience. And he did an interview with the uh, composer from Avatar and The Legend of Korra, uh, Jeremy Zuckerman, about the final music cue in The Legend of Korra for the final scene of Korra. And 
personally, I adore that scene. I think it's it's one of the best scenes, period. Um, and the music fits it unbelievably well. And listening to uh, Jeremy Zuckerman describe his process for creating it, all the different instruments that went in, and, and how the mood he was trying to set was really quite phenomenal. So just a quick shout out to that. I thought it was you know really good. And if you guys like if you guys like Avatar, definitely go check that out. Um, so once again, I'll put a link to that in the description as well. So, you know, pretty long uh, intro there, but now we will kick things off with our initial thoughts. So, Lindsay, why don't you start us off? Bitter work, your initial thoughts. It's a really just like, it's, it's a cool episode because it really gets going on uh, Aang's adventure in learning earthbending. And like, I'm not gonna lie, I am kind of disappointed that it took so long to get to this point, because at this point it's been like, what, like two, three episodes since he met Toph? And then he's like, ah, oh, today's the day. I'm probably learning earthbending. I was like, yeah, you should have done that like a bit sooner, but whatever. Um, but it's it's a good episode because it kind of also explains um, the counterbalance of that Aang has with earthbending. And especially as even Katara mentions, like the direct opposite of air is <coughs> earth. So it, it definitely also brings into play the, the, uh, the balance of all the elements, even as like Iroh brings it up. And I think it's just, it's, it's a really good episode. It kind of gets deeper into the aspect of what bending really is, whether it's with uh, Aang trying to master the earth bending or even um, Zuko trying to learn that new like fire bending techniques and I were explaining how chi works when like how the different bending styles work. And I personally love seeing uh, Sokka trapped in a hole in the ground because I think it's just fucking hilarious. So, good episode. It's a good show. It's a good show. <laughs> so, what yep. was it about? What was it about you? You and your fantasy of Sokka stuck in a hole. What? No, nothing. I thought I thought you said you had a thing for Sokka stuck in a hole in the ground, and I was like, what? No, yeah, I, I just think it's it like. I'm all for it. She thought it was funny. Yeah. This wasn't some kind of weird fantasy, no. Zune. All right, I got it. I'm on the same page. Now. I have weird things that oh. I fantasize about, but not about that, so. Ooh, okay. <laughs> we're going we're gonna, to gonna tamp that discussion down right now. Um, let, let's, just, let's just move on. Corey, initial thoughts. Just, just, just take us away. I'm a simple man. You give me a training episode. You give me Iroh and good Iroh lines. I mm. like the episode. There's not much more to say about this episode other than it has all of the small things that I like in types of shows like this that keep me going, and this is definitely one of those episodes. Um, I, okay. I Corey said it, it's training. Charles, how about the, the episode. Uh, I like the philosophical things that um, Katara brings up with explaining how water and fire are opposites, <clears throat> and uh, therefore air and earth are opposing in terms of their philosophy and how Iris tells Suko that you know you should be taking ideas and concepts from all different cultures and different nations it's a lesson that's especially pertinent today in the world we live in but the episode's great it's I mean I like the training scenes they're mm-hmm. funny there's a lot of soccer humor when he's stuck in the hole and Talking to the uh, moose line, line moose. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. I'm sorry. Saber tooth moose line. Um, yeah. 
Get but I also think it's <laughs> interesting, and I guess we can <laughs> talk about this more later if it comes up. He does coming for you. How um, mm-hmm. Aang overcomes the block he has during this episode, and Zuko's left spurned, <clears throat> like almost as always, which is. I mean, it mm-hmm. sucks for him, dude, but it's like. Yeah. No, yeah, he, he had a yeah, lot of good, like uh, emo good. angsty lines, so. He's always Very much so. And how about mm. you, you? Um, I'm not gonna lie. It It's a good episode, but it's one of those episodes I kind of forgot about. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was definitely one of those episodes where I was like, oh yeah, this episode exists. And I had to kind of rewatch it to refresh my mind on what exactly happened. Um, mm-hmm. the one thing I really liked about the episode was how Aang talks about him being the Avatar and kind of, he, well, people kind of have this expectation of him to grasp learning all the other bendings, like, automatically just because he's the Avatar and he could control four elements. And just, I guess, having to feel that weight on your shoulder because everyone as they're living their life has that one point where someone's expecting them like expecting them to perform to a certain degree and, and then you either get crushed underneath the pressure or you outperform yourself and I think it's just something you can really relate to regardless of who you are. Mm-hmm. So yeah. It was a good episode. Yeah, um, it's interesting. I'm actually kind of in the same boat as you. And I mean, I, I, I'm not going to say I forgot the episode. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I, to be honest, I remember pretty much every episode. But this is an episode that I kind of like went in like, yeah, this is not that notable an episode. It's kind of the, yeah, you had to have Aang learn earthbending. You had to have Aang's, you know, sort of being not very good at it. And, you know, it's just a pretty necessary plot-centric episode. But okay, whatever. And I'll be honest, like, I came out of it with pretty different uh, feelings. Like, there was a lot more in this episode, a lot more, like, deep and philosophical that I wasn't prepared for. Um, obviously, the Iroh and, and Zuko stuff was phenomenal. I mean, we've been saying this basically week after week, and any time Iroh's been on screen, um, you know, essentially since episode two of this season, or of this book, which, you know, was a little bit of a lockdown for us. But basically since then, like, any time Iroh's been on screen, it's been, you know, you know borderline perfect. Um, and this is no exception. Um with that said, I mean, I still think that at the end of the day, this is an episode that is is there to do a job. The job is we need to have, you know, Aang begin to learn earthbending. We need to show off mm-hmm. the, the differences between the bending. But I think it, it, it actually does a lot of really interesting stuff philosophically um, that we'll talk about a lot uh, getting in there. Um, and I think um, I think that this does, show, you know, once again show, like, how skillful they can be at, at making an episode like this that, that just, you know, works really well. Um, so we move... Uh, right in, and in first foremost, I actually want to talk about the the title of this episode being "Bitter Work." Um, it's interesting because later on in the Avatar and the Fire Lord, when Roku is describing his training, he actually describes it as "bitter work," and then he says, the re- "But the results were worth it." And you know, it's kind of a fun little tie-in using just the episode title later on. Um, this episode, you know, starts up, and, and for the most part, they just have Sokka there for for pure comedy. Um, and on some level, I do feel like it was a little bit. Um, like kind of just filling time like this episode kind of needs to be a certain amount of time mm-hmm. and um you know Sokka they have Sokka fill that time uh which is fine I mean I, I don't have a necessary problem with it 
Um, I do think they hold some of the be- the comedic beats later on a little bit too long. <laughs> but the opening scene with the wake up is is decently funny, and I like Sokka's just like. Listen, I really I'll, related to Sokka. Yeah, I was gonna. I was gonna say, like watching him, I was like, damn, how'd they get video footage of me in the morning? Like, it's perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just want to carry off what you said, Mark. I think Iroh and Zuko literally carried this episode, and without them in this episode, this would have been a pretty subpar episode. Like, it was literally all Iroh and Zuko, and the Aang training is—it was okay. But I'd say there's, this is a very one-sided episode. Honestly, that's what I thought going in. I've come out a little bit higher on the Aang training than I was before. Not and that doesn't take anything away from from Sokka mm-hmm. and um, Aaron, Iroh and, uh, and Zuko. Iroh. Yeah. Iroh and Zuko. I don't even know who these characters are anymore. I, I personally like the comparison of these two benders trying to learn technically the opposite mm. bending because you know Aang's learning earth bending and Zuko I guess um learned from Ira how to redirect lightning which I had it has the water bending influence so it yep. was really Ooh. cool to see a back-to-back comparison yeah. of these two people who came from two different backgrounds with with different goals in their mind trying to approach this in different angles yeah I like that aspect uh yeah it- I mean, it's, it's, it's again, like, showing the sort of ju- the juxtaposition between Aang and Zuko kind of going through the exact same thing, just in different places. Mm-hmm. Um, I also, I like the subversion of uh, expectations at the start, because, like, right off the bat, we have Aang kind of jumping up, being very excited, in a very similar way to the way he was when he first started learning water and firebending, where he's, like, really excited, he wants to just jump right in, and for the most part, like, we've kind of come in expecting, like, oh, he's going to be a natural, he's just, he's the avatar, he's going to be great at this, and then, like, immediately it's not so much and it's kind of nice that the, like, the last time we saw Aang learning a new bending for the first time was back in episode 16 with the deserter and like Aang was so over eager and like he wants to be powerful and he knows he can be powerful he can see how powerful he is right off the bat and his teacher is like doing everything he can to almost hold him back and keep him from losing control and then instead now you have this time where it's like his, his teacher is trying to do everything in his power to like force him to really um, go for it, like just go, go hard or go home, basically. Yeah. Um. Another one thing I actually completely forgot about though was the dream sequence of Iroh oh with, with Lieutenant. I'll be honest, I like completely forgot about that scene uh-huh. and was like, it hit me. I'm like, oh Jesus, that was like, yeah, that was dark. It was some heavy stuff. Yeah, I saw that scene and I was like, "Oh shit, there goes my heart. Like, I'm dead. Like, there, there I go." Like, it was just extremely deep. Like, I, I have no words. <laughs> yeah, it really, you really don't. Yeah. Right, but because it, most it, of the time we're yeah. Sorry. I was just gonna say, but it connects really well with the forthcoming then interaction he has with Zuko. Mm-hmm. So good connection there. I'm sorry, you and I cut you off by accident. Oh, oh no, it's okay. I was just going to say, it's, um, we always see this Uncle Iroh. Everyone loves Uncle, Uncle Iroh. He's always, you know, optimistic, and mm-hmm. he always had his um, head in the right place. But we sometimes forget that he does come from, like, a sad background where he lost his son, and we're constantly reminded of, I guess, the pain that he has to now carry in his heart ever since his son died, and how it makes him into develops him into a character despite the fact that we all think like like he's a goofy wise uncle that's always happy 
but he also has a sad side that he has to deal with daily. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, and also just in, in general throughout, I mean, this kind of goes throughout the entirety of the Iroh Zuko parts, but I also think they did a great job of balancing the really heavy um, and really, like, philosophical narrative uh, stuff when, with a nice dose of comedy. Um, like, you have the Iroh, you know, spitting out the tea, and, mm-hmm. like, God, that must be some terrible tea and, like, if Iroh doesn't like it. And, like, pouring it behind him and everything. <laughs> and then you later on, you have, like, Iroh doing the little, like, feel the flow dance uh-huh. or uh, when he's pointing at his stomach and, like, like me, a vast ocean. Like, in general, I think they balanced the comedy really well mm-hmm. with Iroh's lines where it, it kept it from being totally, like, okay, we're just being sat down and taught something, but at the same time, keeping it serious enough that we knew that this was a pretty darn big deal. And, like, reversing lightning is a pretty big deal. It's going to be, yeah. like, two, you know, the end of both final battles is going to be this one move Mm -hmm. somewhat Um, yeah it's a really cool introduction though to this move because obviously mm -hmm. like it does create like some struggle in zuko now but especially because we know eventually like he's gonna master the shit out of that and like that's gonna be like the end move basically yeah and it's like it's so cool to see now like how he's just like (laughs) yeah um, That's my Zuko. I also, I also like the little bit of like seeing Iroh kind of like, not str- like just a little bit of struggle to actually stand up. Like he was just hit with a pretty serious attack. He's you know clearly in a lot of pain, but like you can kind of see the will kind of willing himself you know onto his feet and ready to teach. Um, and you know you you again like you don't we don't we don't get to see Iroh as like the incredible fighter until like much later on into mm-hmm. you know other than a few brief moments. And, like, this is a very small detail, but it's kind of, like, it's kind of nice to see, like, oh, yeah, Iroh has, like, quite a bit of will um, and, like, mind over matter. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, what's it? No, uh, interesting question is, because we, we, Aang has, like, a lot of teachers. We get, you know, we get to see Aang, you know, learning from, you know, Paku. We get to see him learning from Zhang Zhang, uh, Katara, Toph, eventually Zuko. And what's interesting is... You see Katara, and, like, she's kind of kind of in this episode in kind of a weird way because she's Aang's old, you know, she is Aang's teacher, but he's kind of moving on from waterbending. He's moving on to a new skill. And it makes, like, Katara's, like, sort of saying, like, you know, you want Aang response to positivity and, and that kind of thing. Like, she isn't wrong. Mm-hmm. It's, like, it's not like she's out of her mind here. Like, she was definitely a much better teacher for Aang than Paku was, and, like, her ability to get through to him by being positive mm-hmm. um, works. However it's not going to work for this specific situation. Yeah. And I, I really like how different these two people are in teaching Yang. And I think that it really goes, you know, goes well to us because we did spend a lot of time of this book, like finding Yang the right earthbending teacher. And, you know, we, you know, we had Boomy like kind of explaining, like mm-hmm. you're looking for the right, you need to find the right person. And it's kind of nice to see that like, yeah, he is the right person for this job. Like he, you know, the fact that, um, the fact that, or she is, the fact that Toph is the one teaching him. Like, I don't think Katara could have, te- you know, could have taught him this because I don't think she could have pushed him to be as, mm-hmm. um... Like, steadfast. To get to where he should be. Yeah. Yeah. And obviously her personality, mm-hmm. she is not an earthbender, therefore her personality is waterbending. So I understand that, like, mm-hmm. on some level it's a tautology. Yeah. Of, like, yeah, if things were different, they'd be different. But, like, in general, like, you, you needed someone who is that... Like Toph, who could be like this? Mm-hmm. Well, it's funny if we're talking about knowing the future. You know, she opens up her own school and literally becomes pretty much a lifelong teacher of just teaching people how to earth bend and then mm-hmm. metal bend in the future. So I think she's proven to be a very effective teacher. I just think 
obviously with Aang being his personality and she being her personality, they're polar opposites. But it's a nice, needed dose of reality to show Aang that you, you can't just always have what you need. You, you need some, you, especially with earth bending, which is such an, a radically different form of bending than air bending. You, you need, and eventually at the end, it's, he stood up for himself. And like, it's just, it's something that Aang needed at this time, I think. I think also yeah. just because um, how you mentioned how later on in the future, like she's a teacher <laughs> and just basically also how she kind of even learns from Aang basically like how to teach. You know what I mean? Like, I think she definitely yeah. does have a development of like, yeah, well, clearly like this is not going to work out. So then, like she, I don't know. She's pretty much like that with her metal bending she's students. Worse. Uh, she's worse. Yeah, she's she's worse. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just naturally as a teacher, I'm just like, yeah, you the like you learn from your mistakes. Anyone here? Who I I completely yeah. understand what you're no, saying, but, but, but I can't see a slight. Tufts metal bending school is not easy. Yeah, but. She she does have some kind of transition, like slight, not. Uh, I mean, to very be fair, vague, but Aang she does kind of be like, yeah, she's still an earthbender. Teaching method was like exactly contrary for. Because if you're if we're gonna say like it's, you know, philosophy based and mm -hmm. uh, based off of the culture you were raised in, there aren't any other airbenders, or there isn't airbending culture at that time, so. <clears throat> Like, arguably, most of her students are from the Earth Nation, and their philosophy is pretty suited. So she could just teach the same way with better results, because... Yeah, but they're learning! <laughs> I don't know, they're miserable, her students. <laughs> yeah. They do learn. They do learn. Uh, another, another important thing to note, though, what's interesting is that Keep in mind that Toph didn't have a formal education. Yeah. I mean, I guess technically she had a very basic one from yeah. what's his shit face. But, um, like, most of what she learned was, like, watching Badger Moles. Mm -hmm. so, like, she mm -hmm. was not, unlike, I mean, I guess, I mean, Katara got the education at the same time as Aang. But, like, Katara goes through, a, like, a totally formal learning from a master. Um, like, Zuko obviously learns from a master. <coughs> but this is the first, like, the time that Aang is being taught by someone who's really taught themselves how to earthbend, who has a very personal connection to the earth because of... Um, the way she sees. I think that also adds a lot to it, that this is not someone who is... Um, like, I, I don't think if you were to learn from, like, a master that the first thing you would have done would be, like, stop a rock, we're gonna roll one down a hill at you. Mm -hmm. right. um, like, that's a very, like, I just yeah. kind of could earthbend from day one and I know how to do it and this is what works for me. And that and in the end, it works. Like, I can't criticize Toph's, mm -hmm. like, training. She teaches Ang earthbending, but... I just it's something to note. Like Toph didn't have that formal education; she picked all this up on her own. Right. She's she's pretty much on the gifted side when it comes to earthbending. It just it just kind of came to her, and then she mm -hmm. used it enough every day that she you know masters at one point at a very young age. Yeah. And um, I thought what what I thought was interesting is you know taking all the the bending away. Um, if you apply this episode, I guess in a real life situation. It kind of says there's no one right way to teach someone. There's, you know, depending on who's teaching it, as long as they could take the information and the knowledge they have and transfer it to another person, it's like there's no real textbook definition of, oh, this is the only way and the correct way to teach someone. Like, I understand the way they explained it in the episode was, well, it's different type of bending, therefore it, it, you have to approach it differently. 
but I feel like in a, in a real life aspect, we got, you know, there are a lot of great teachers out there and they all have their own way of teaching. So I thought that was a really interesting thing about this episode. I, I think kind of even kind of pushing that type of um, like the top style of teaching, she is very instinctual because that's kind of like how she, her, that's her whole basic method. Like the instincts from her other senses because she is blind. So her other in, her other uh, senses have been like heightened. So a lot of what she's even seeing is saying is like like natural instinct, like do this. So I think that also like that definitely plays into her teaching style, which wouldn't necessarily be found in other forms because of like how she herself learned. It's all like, like instinctual necessarily. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, we get a little training montage and we don't get too many like straight training montages mm-hmm. uh, in the show. And I thought it was fine. Uh, you know, I thought it kind of accomplished just like moving through this thing quickly. Um, the one thing I'll say is I think in this, now yeah, I'll actually say that because I'll, I'll talk about that one a little bit. Um, so we switch back and and we get the beginning of the explanation of lightning. And first and foremost, I, I love Ira's line of calling lightning the cold-blooded firebending mm-hmm. um, because in many ways it's like a perfect description for Azula, who is our like most iconic lightning bender within within this mm-hmm. world. Um, and like that, I really uh, enjoy. Um, and getting to like see the inner workings of all of this like really works for me. Um, and I agree with, I definitely agree with Corey about how, like, how good the, um, Earth, or the, the Iroh and Zuko stuff is here. And my favorite visual of this episode, by far and away, is the first time lightning is fired by Iroh, and you just heard the, the, the loud echo followed by complete silence. It was just such a good scene, and, like, it's, like, the mo- I, I even, like, before I went to this episode, I remember that, and it's, like, definitely one of my favorite things I remember from this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, I also like the little, the, just the add-in line of when he says right before Zuko starts, like, breathe first, mm-hmm. that there's still the fact that power and firebending is the breath, um, that breath, breathing is still such an important part of this. Um, and then to see, you know, we kind of see, we're about to see Zuko fail, now we see, you know, Aang really fail here. Um, I think that the line that Top Toss has here of, like, you had a perfect stance, perfect form, and you just didn't have the guts. And I think it also shows to me that, like an important part that bending is more than just stances and forms. That it, it's, it's, it is much more complicated and much more personal uh, than that. Because I think that sometimes you can kind of get lost at like, oh, well, this is the form you use to do this bending move. And it's like, okay, well, then can everybody just kind of learn that if they just pick up the form? And it's like, well, no, it's a little bit more – it is a lot more complicated than that. Right. And it – it's about like personal attitudes and I like that for earthbending it's we talk about how much it's about rooting to the ground and being strong and being sturdy and being like the earth and being like the rock and that if you're not in the right mindset it doesn't matter what your form is like it's still it's gonna fail pretty important lesson and we're gonna see this again later on with Zuko in book yeah. three yeah Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're kind of reminded. Yeah, yeah like like you said, it's, it's more than a stance and it's more than a form. Yeah. It's like you have to have passion, or you have to put your heart in it for you yeah. to actually mm-hmm. get better at it and even pick up the bending in the first place. Yeah, and I feel like also that's like a constant thing we see with Zuko because he's always like, "Yes, teach me the form," but then like Ira repeats like. Yeah, Zuko, like, calm down. Like, it's not just about this. Like, there's so much more to it. 
And so to see that on also like both fronts, like from Zuko and Aang in like both from this episode, I think that was a really cool like way of kind of connecting them together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, Zuko, when is he ever going to not be emo? Never. Oh my God! Emo. Well, like the the best lines, it was like my whole life's been turmoil or something like that. Like I, I'm so mad I don't remember the lines, but it was like so one line after another. Yeah. Yep. Um, the one thing I'll say about the Ang, we, we get to the end of the training montage, and obviously Ang is is feeling very dejected and. On a purely narrative level, I, I think it works really well, and I'll talk about that in a second. But I do think this is the first, mo- like the first time I've ever seen in a show where I really noticed that we don't have that much time. And if you really look at it, like overall, Avatar is only sixty episodes uh, or sixty-two episodes of twenty-two minutes mm-hmm. each or twenty-four minutes each. So it's not that much time if you compare this to a lot of other um, television shows, like yeah. shows that are forty minutes long or an hour long that have seven, eight seasons. This only has three, you know, three books, and. This is the first time I really noticed the, like, there's really not much time. Like, I don't blame them. There's no real time to go longer on, t- like, Aang, fa- sort of, quote-unquote, failing at Earthbending before he gives up. Like, they're, they're just, you couldn't extend this over multiple episodes. We don't have, we don't have time for this. We need right. to get to, to some really important stuff uh, moving forward. And, and it's not other, I mean, there's really only one or two episodes within this entire show that I would say, like, you should probably cut that episode out. So I'm not, like, I understand that there's no real way to do this, but I did feel a little bit, like, that was quick. Like, Aang was really excited, and then he's not good at it. And it's like, that was kind of immediate that he's kind of giving up. I get it, and I completely understand why Aang is expecting, going into this expecting that he's going to be good at this. He's ex- like, we saw this with waterbending, that he immediately picked it up. He was just very, very good naturally. We saw it with firebending that, you know, Zhang Zhang says, like, I've never seen, you know, such raw power, mm-hmm. that he's just this, this incredibly gifted firebender. Um, and... Obviously, he gets in with earthbending and it, and it doesn't work. And I can see why that would even relatively quickly make Aang dejected and, and have him give up. But I did like I did kind of feel just a little bit like I would have liked a little bit more of Aang like slowly realizing he's bad at this as opposed to like he failed like at moving the rock wall, like a second time. I guess I can't do it. I'm done. Yeah. I mean, how old is Aang by this point? you think he's like what 11 he's still 12 he's 12 he's 12 okay yeah he's 12 so i guess um we kind of see a little bit of him as a 12 year old um outside the fact that he's an avatar so he has a very i think it also kind of reinforces what i said before he has a lot of pressure so it's like when he doesn't grasp the idea the first or the second time he just gets very um criticism he, he he criticizes himself mm-hmm. he gets he gets very um he's very critical of himself. yeah he's very critical thank you Definitely. he's very critical of himself and he puts himself down so it's like whenever i watch angry that it's like i get it man i get it <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah no I, I i agree with that and i do think that the that they all, you also have to add in the fact that this is kind of like we're, we, we, we've said, like, okay, in book two, Aang is starting to get it. He's starting to step up and say he needs to, like, actually, like, actively shape actually the world. Have to do and, stuff. like, oh, now he's feeling pressure, and suddenly the first thing he tries to do after feeling that pressure is kind of fail. Like, I, again, I get why he is so dejected. And, and, and again, it works for me, it works completely narratively. It's just, I kind of just feel like if only this episode was, like, 
double in length. Mm -hmm. We could have had a bit more time yeah. for Aang to be a certain way. Right. Um, unfortunately, Some, it just—it's yeah. not. That's this is what the show yeah, is. Sometimes. Kinda... Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I was gonna say. Go ahead. Sometimes I wonder what Avatar, the Last Airbender, the show would have been like if it was. I guess to an extreme degree, if it was as long as Naruto or oh, as God. long as Bleach. Well, that's just that's okay, not okay. Well, yeah, fifteen years of filler, and I don't down like. there. <laughs> Too long. like, you know, um, if you were to make this series just a little bit longer, you don't mm -hmm. have to be very much longer, but if you made it a little bit longer, the the kind of content that we could be yeah. able, like, we could experience. I mean, some of them, you know, are going to be bound to be fillers if it goes on for too long but mm -hmm. i feel like the writers would be able to express just a little bit more of their creativity if we gave them the timeline I mean, and the opportunity to do so uh, i was gonna say so I sometimes the defense of those two the i mean look i, I the I, comic I and the anime were running concurrently right so they just kind of had to make up some bullshit until the comic was far enough ahead that they could adapt it into something this is a little different being like a, sh you know, it's designed for television. So obviously they wouldn't have had the, if they wanted filler, they could have had it, but it wasn't a necessity. Mm -hmm. Where, whereas in uh, Bleach and Naruto, it kind of was. Uh, I was going to ask, do we know when this show was, I guess, bought by right. uh, Nickelodeon yeah. for broadcast? How, did they like say, we're going to run this many episodes or were they yeah. like... I thought it was a I studio. Thought Nick picked up and then it I was thought like Nick developed the picked pilot. Picked up by I didn't know this was a, picked up. like a smaller Canadian network for broadcast, and then Nick picked it up from them, like immediately or something. Maybe I'm wrong, but hmm. Avatar: The Last Airbender. Let's find but, out. Yeah, so development. <clears throat> I will look this like, up while we if, probably keep. Uh, uh, I don't, don't want to spoil. I, I have a suspicion that when they but... decided to air the show, they're like, they were allocated a number of episodes rather than saying we're just gonna let you do you know the season and then see where it goes and then continue like from that perspective. Uh, just because the way you, you know, plot out episodes or plot out like movement mm -hmm. uh, between episodes, is significantly different um for example in the season by season thing you tend to have generally you tend to have mm. um uh, assuming your ratings are good no it was oh, it was okay. picked up it was it was uh, so today's like, and the, the idea was say we're gonna to just do you know mm, okay. x number of episodes or like were they just looking at this season by season It doesn't say, but I think I, I'd be shocked if they didn't. Just like from looking at the way the story f unfolds, I think that they probably conceived this as we're going to do three books, which makes sense because they're you know you're going to do water, uh, earth, fire, the three ang elements Ang needs to learn. I, I I would be I'd be very surprised if if I I think Avatar was like a show that was pretty much like like from conception to completion pretty much the same like exactly what it was mm -hmm. obviously there yeah, were changes but, here and uh, there when they picked all up i mean is stuff, that but like the broad uh, story i think series that have done season one. by season for example a lot of the television shows she's talking about 40 that run for like 40 minutes 
are just like, if this season did well, we're going to renew it, and then either you continue an overarching plot from the prior, or you've got to make one up pretty fast. No, for Avatar, it's not, but my point is that if it was I mean, structured no way that way, true, this it's, episode it's, might know, have been done, one. let's yeah. say, more to your liking. Uh, because, because there was a set number, you have to go at a certain pace, right? Yeah. But if you... I mean, it would have been Korra. I mean, that's there's your example of what they would have done if it... Because Korra is written like that. It's written as four completely separate books. They were ordered... I mean, technically, they were... The books three and four were ordered at the same time, but, like, they were... It was conceived as a one-book show and then a miniseries, and then they yeah, renewed and, it twice. So, like, uh, you can't actually see what Mike and Brian would have done if it was, you like it was like this. better? Hmm. That'll get... I, that's a... No. I, <laughs> I, I still like The Last Airbender better, but I think Korra is a lot closer than most people think. That being said, I, you are right that the... If you look at Korra's block when it comes to bending with her inability to airbend, that's a season-long plot line as opposed, or a book-long plot line as opposed to a single episode. So you're not wrong that, yes, the, the overarching of this is like Korra slowly trying to figure out the ability to airbend. She can't do it. She can't do it. Um, and then eventually is able to in, in sort of a, a moment of panic. Um, so, yeah, I guess you're right. That, that, that is, that is how, they, how they structured it. Uh, in that in that sense. Well, in this one, they kind of... We need to just move on. Let's have one episode with Aang's block. It ends, Aang can earthbend. And then from this point on, Aang can earthbend. So it's like a yeah. flaw caused by, you know, just network production <laughs> things rather than, like, any uh, creative decision. I guess that's what I mean. Yeah, and I agree. I mean, I, like I said, I, I don't think this is a narrative problem. I think this is a, like, the way, like, an execution and the way the story was told. And, and I think that it does kind of stem back to, a, to like, just production, like, just the way the production schedule is compared to, like, oh, they actually just messed up. Mm -hmm. um, one honest complaint that I have this episode, and I, I don't, it's not like I don't like the Sokka stuff with, with him in the hole, it's fine. But I really don't like the this thing that I mean I don't know if this is actually a trope, but like the thing that happens where it's like okay, character is caught in really tough situation and is like, if all if if I get out of this, I'm gonna change everything about my character. It's like we we know he's not. We know Sokka's not gonna do that. It's like, really? But like, that's not bad writing. That's just human nature. <laughs> I know it's human nature. It's just I I'm not I'm not a particularly big fan of that like style of. Of right, like I just—it's—it's it's very common, and I don't particularly love it. Like, if I get out of this, I will stop eating meat. It's like, well, Saki, you're not going to stop eating meat. Like, calm down. A part of me thinks that in the studio, some guy was like, "Hey, guy, I got some really solid rock puns. Just give yeah. me an opportunity." So they stuck him in a rock, and then they told rock puns, and then he got out. <laughs> I feel like it was, I mean, they were just looking for an excuse. I mean, there are a lot of puns, and there are a lot of rock puns throughout this entire yeah. show. I mean, Rocky relationship. Hey. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's not terrible. It's not even bad. It's just, I don't know. It's not my personal favorite thing. Um, so Surprisingly, it's actually one of the things that I remember from mm -hmm. the episode before I watched the entire episode. I was like, oh, yeah, that, that saber-tooth moose... Lion, Lion Cub. I like remember that, but yeah, I mean, 
we all knew that he wasn't it wasn't really a big enough of an event or a serious of an event for Slaka to actually go through a character changing moment. Yeah. But it was, it was I guess it was just like a little um like humor put in there just I think to, it was kind of like a typical like oh Sokka's I mean, stuck in the ground. Mm-hmm. Typical from another Sokka. perspective, you can say that the yeah. bargaining yep. thing is just like uh, what is it called? The five stages of grief or whatever? I just said, yeah, I just said that. Uh, it's like, it's a psychologically good. prevalent phenomenon in real life. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm saying it, it's not, I don't even think it's a writing trope. It's like just Mark's that, like, in it. shows, you know that they won't. literally something anyone would do when they're desperate. Like, it doesn't mean anything, whereas in real life, you don't I... have... I don't, don't know that about that. I don't. There's no like foresight. You don't know. Well, like in real life, you don't know what happens at the end. So it's like we don't have an audience. People bargain out of desperation. That seems like appropriate. In shows, like you kind of have a sense as to when like it's not serious or when like it actually means something. So then it becomes like oh, it feels more mm-hmm. artificial. But like if that uh, yeah. something similar happens. You know, to a regular person, not on TV, it'd probably be, you know, what they do. Right. I mean, that's that's fine. I don't know. It's just whatever. I mean, I don't really know um, the demographics of people who watch the show, but I'm sure the people who are, you know, kids who are younger who are watching this show will probably get a kick out of, you know, seeing Sokka in a hole. Being tormented by a listen, I got a wonderful kick of seeing Sokka in the hole, and I can tell you right now, I'm probably not the target demographic that the creators had. <laughs> I, look, I, I don't think that Sokka being in the hole is terrible. I think it's fun, like it's, it's good comedy and it works. It just I, I'm just this is something that I see. I I, I feel like I see a lot in like very mm-hmm. comedic moments of like God, if I get this, I will, I will stop yeah, being like, a bad person, yeah. and then. They get it, and they're like, oh, nope, never mind. Like, I know they do it a lot in Harry Met Your Mother, which is obviously not, you know, the greatest writing of all time. But I just, I don't know. I, I, I chap at it just a little mm-hmm. bit. Um, the, but moving on to, uh, to something that I think, uh, for me at least, very positive. Um, when they, when Aang switches over and starts waterbending, I, what's really nice about this is just the visual difference. Uh, like, we've, we saw a bunch of earthbending. We saw a bunch of sort of these strong stances yeah. and Aang kind of throwing this rock up and down. It's like... No, now we're back to the push and pull. We're back to feeling very natural and maneuvering. And and I really, really like that. Um, I also just really like the exchange between um, Aang and Katara. Mm -hmm. You know, he's like, you know, Katara, Sifu, Katara. There was something a little bit um, just tender about that. Like Aang needing needing someone to cheer him Uh out. Yeah. It was was definitely um, a good break away from Toph and her her hard-ass... Training. Mm-hmm. Um, so then we switch over, which I think is definitely the strongest scene in the entire um, episode, mm-hmm. which is Iroh laying out all the differences between bending and then explaining how to, to redirect lightning. Yeah. I I adore this scene. Um, I mean, I, I think I've said like three weeks in a row, like, there's an amazing Iroh line that I love, and here's another one. I mean, this is like a set of lines, but... Iroh's whole explanation of the differences between the nations and and how the culture stems from the bending mm-hmm. and the bending stems from the culture and all of this stuff and um, it really got me thinking about 
the idea of the Avatar and how obviously they're incredibly powerful because they can bend four elements and because they've got Rava inside of them and mm-hmm. this has this incredible power. But I also think that on a, you can also kind of see on another level that like the Avatar is also the only person, for the most part, at, at this time especially, who's learning different styles of bending yeah. from different cultures. And like you almost feel like that also adds another level of like power to the Avatar that like for the most part, most firebenders aren't going to the Earth Kingdom and learning the styles of bending that comes from earth bending. They don't go most of them aren't traveling the world and learning water bending. And, you know, you saw someone Iro who like just is able to pick up this one little bit of like just this little bit of knowledge about energy and, and, and the flow of energy and redirecting attacks and is able to create a very powerful fire bending technique mm-hmm. of redirecting lightning. And I, it's you kind of think about like imagine this world being a lot more in- interconnected, which eventually it, it kind of comes closer to at the end of the series mm-hmm. and once the war is over, like these these are the kind of things that are really cool. Like the, the yeah, I, I mean we yeah, you, I kind of see parallels in our world with like the the cross pollination uh, between cultures and cuisine and mm-hmm. all these things. Like that stuff is great, and I love to see that Iroh is the person sort of like recognizing the power of other cultures. Yeah, like right? I suppose, yeah. like I really also loved how even like so like Iroh goes through it. Like oh yeah, earth bending, fire bending, water bending, and air. Like that's how they all relate. And how Zuko goes, like, this sounds like Avatar stuff. But then Iroh comes back, it's like, yeah, but it's not just about being the Avatar. Like, yeah, he can master all these, like, four elements, but especially as someone that is learning a bending style, you have to be aware of also, like, the other bending and, like, what makes it be the way it is, too. So I think also it's even a way of, like, and I think, honestly, like, because obviously Iroh, like, he has, like, a military past, and he was, like, the crown prince, soon-to-be emperor. And I think, honestly, like, he kind of even maybe has that, like, observation of it, like, probably to his benefit at first, like, to understand, like, how each of the other bending styles works so that way it, he can use it to his advantage almost, you know what I mean, like, as a firebender. Like, again, like, yeah. having his enemies, like, okay, yeah, I know how, like, this functions in their way of fighting. And now how also now he kind of sees it as, but it's also the part of the, like the harmony of life. So I think it's like a really interesting concept to like just even like think about more of. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. Mm-hmm. Like when Ira was talking about how he was traveling and then um, created redirecting lightning from water style. Yeah. It kind of it kind of um, helps people understand that by him ac- accepting and learning about other cultures, being multicultural. Mm-hmm. has helped him widen his view of the world and how he can kind of use that knowledge to better himself yeah. i guess to put it so mm-hmm. that was definitely uh definitely a nice lesson by uncle iroh for the uh season uh not the season the episode iroh's lesson mm-hmm. of the episode yeah lesson He's of the day school. oh yeah um I'm sure you have something to say about this. Um, only a man like Iroh can travel the world and appreciate all cultures. And I'm not even just saying that because he's obviously was in the military, is well traveled, and definitely someone that's cultured. He's just, it's just like, and it's always, and it's also good because Zuko is the perfect, like, student for him, too. Just because, like, forget about all the times they've butted heads and stuff, just because. He is someone that needs someone like Iroh to guide him while, mm-hmm. like, 
Like, obviously, everyone can debate if, if Aang and uh, Toph are good for each other right now, but, the, like, the relationship... They, they both need each other. Mm-hmm. Like, Iroh needs Zuko just for, like, the... Repl- like, you know, to fill the void of losing his son, and Zuko needs Iroh for a lot of reasons. To just, keep him alive. <laughs> yeah, pretty much, exactly. Yeah. So, like, <laughs> this is why I like this episode so much, is because it, it just shows what a good relationship Zuko like as a kid I always clenched when you had the episodes where Zuko was just being a complete asshole mm-hmm. Iroh like I like obviously it's because like it's just uncomfortable to watch but at the same time you just know how much <coughs> Iroh cares about him and how much it's killing him yeah so like it's just it's just something where when they're all episode are able to get along it just heart warms your heart um, I think it's definitely. also important to note that Iroh came to a lot of these realizations after you know his loss of Luten he wasn't there was a point in life where Iroh was arguably similar to mm-hmm. not you know directly similar but uh, more like Azula and Ozai or I, I guess like Azula and the father even more than um mm-hmm. You know, than this like carefree accepting guy. Yeah. He he was prior to Lieutenant's death the one of the most successful generals in you know the Fire Nation. So that is a thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even kind of going back to a couple episodes ago when he was writing back to Zuko and Azula, like. Oh yeah, like it's great out here. We're gonna take over Bossing Say and it's gonna be a great time and they're like kinda laughing over it. So clearly like Iroh I don't think has always been like this type of guy. And so like kinda it's just so so interesting to see like his development into this type of person. <laughs> he had a complicated path. <laughs> Family mm-hmm. It's like the character mm-hmm. building I mean, it moment characters. you just don't so, yeah. need to have. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no one needs to have no one needs to have their go become a general. Okay. <laughs> Full disclaimer, we are not actually laughing over the death of someone's child. No. It's you know, sad. still this day, um, I still remember him singing his song. Nope. Uh, nope. Really at, at nope. nope, I refuse to remember because I will cry. Uh, yeah, we all will. Yeah. Nope. Um... Mark one showed um, me that with uh, Samurai Jack and uh, Aku and Baby Cry a little. <sighs> yeah, I mean, that was fun making Cry Cry. <laughs> um, so another thing, just visually, I really liked um, how the earth bend or how the like water bending of fire bending looks. Mm-hmm. Um, it does look a little bit different than the sort of fire bending we usually see. Um, and another like quick visual thing, the lighting of of that they use as soon as the sunset starts is like really cool looking. Yeah, definitely. Um, I really like that. Um, a small like note of, sim- of sort of symbolism, but I, I liked a lot is when Toph starts taunting Aang with the uh, with the glider and is sort of yeah. like trying to goad him into striking back. I really like that Momo is sitting on Toph's shoulder, <laughs> and I think there's something like interesting about that. And this may be going a little bit too far, but I, we know that like Momo is obviously very important um, to the story, and like when when Boomy was explaining to Aang about like learning and, and how you need to find a mm-hmm. teacher. He's like, 
you know, Momo knows a few jigs himself. Like, Momo <laughs> is a very important part of the group. And, like, it kind of, like, it kind of works for me that, like, Momo is like, yeah, toss right here. You know, mm-hmm. step up and learn how to earth bend, you little, you know. Shit. Oh, oh shit. <laughs> Momo needs to calm so, the fuck like, down. <laughs> I don't know. I, I think I, I think Momo <laughs> recognizes that Aang needs to step up and, you know, it, 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 eventually he does. Oh, Momo, Momo is a, just like a raging lemur. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's a king in, in the lemur world. Lemur. Oh, no. <laughs> Um, at least he's not. We a get a nice lemmings. I love lemmings. They just jump off of cliffs. It's great. Yeah, imagine yeah. they had a, a lemming um, pet that they had to constantly save because all he Yo, wants to do is die. New series proposal. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that lemmings don't actually kill themselves. I think that's a myth. Well, you know what? I accepted as truth, so we gotta like put this in somehow. Okay. <laughs> anyway. Um, Thanks. <laughs> yeah. So the um, we get a nice bit of setup for the final. <clears throat> obviously, like the final battle with Zuko, with you know a Ira warning him about uh, making sure not to let the lightning pass through his heart, um, which is you know the thing that eventually you know causes you know such a big deal in the end. Mm-hmm. Um, so I like that they set this up here. Um, and on top of that, I, I like that once you know I, Ira says like, okay, you've got it, and then. He's not gonna just shoot lightning yeah. at Zuko, which you know makes a little bit of sense. Like you know, bit. this is a pretty dangerous thing. This could pretty easily yeah. kill him, and I so I understand why Iroh isn't doing it. Um, oh, so, but you know, it, it adds some tension, and I and I think in terms of stakes, like I, I think they do a very good job of holding the stakes of lightning. That lightning is incredibly dangerous, and mm-hmm. when someone gets hit square on with lightning, like Ang's basically you know pretty darn close to death. You know, later on in this book, and when Zuko, same thing with Zuko. Like it's, it's, it's not. You know, it's a big deal. Yeah. Um, and I think that's important because obviously, like the characters can take quite a bit of punishment. They are cartoon characters. This is a pretty different world, but they've made it pretty clear that like, don't mess with lightning. That but will do really dangerous. Lightning things. will kill you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, especially coming from a person who's a, a like a general from a fire nation. You know, mm-hmm. fire being the most destructive element. And him saying that lightning is something that you cannot control, it really says something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I don't, I don't know about you guys, but I don't want to redirect lightning in any way. Yeah, I, th- I think Iroh might know what he's talking about. Um, we get back to the um, to, to Ang's final like little confrontation with the, with the saber tooth moose lion, and obviously, you know, as always, it's Ang's friend being in danger mm-hmm. that sort of snaps him into gear. Um, if anyone couldn't guess that, you're, you know, you haven't been watching the show, I guess. Um, which works. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're like, in the end, he's like, uh, you know, he's able to stand up to Toph and, and once he switched his mindset, you know, he can do it. And it does make, it does make sense for me because like, yeah, he, you know, this was, block was not about form. It wasn't about, he just couldn't do it. It was entirely mental. And once he's changed his, uh, oh, changed like his mental attitude, he can, about you know, how he change gets it. super excited about being able to do it. Top is like, oh, let me get Sokka out of the ground because you're still not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, look, yeah, you, you saved him. Still kind of But you could also kill him. <laughs> Probably a good decision. Yeah. Don't think it's oh, hard to be too happy uh, about that either. 
I don't know. I don't think she. Sorry, you know what? Actually, yeah, I, I just remember the killed him, and then there goes thing. that romance. So, Charles had an O. <laughs> oh, when he when he throws it, and he's like, "Now come back, boomerang." Yeah. <laughs> that was pretty funny. Now come back. I uh, I'll, I'll 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 give you that. That mm -hmm. was that was very entertaining. Yeah. It's a secret love. Um, soft eye and boomerang. Boomerang. It's not secret. It's it is his love. <laughs> now, last the final scene that I, I I have a lot of questions about. Wait, yeah. First just... and foremost, it it did kind of like not seem like it was about yeah. to rain, guys. Where did this rain come no, from? No, wasn't he looking off um, in the distance and there was like major form clouds? Like clouds, there were? clouds yeah, forming. I didn't yeah, that. sorry. Oh, I guess. Yeah, there were. fine. Never there mind. Was, Ignore that. That's why he was like, "I'm gonna go find my own lightning," because he sees him in the distance. However, the the real question I'm asking is, who is he talking to? He's because just yelling at the sky. He wants to fucking get my, hit by lightning. But he says some pretty clearly like, "You have never held back," and my best guess is it's his mm. father. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. like. We've had no mention of a god in this world. We have no, like, no yeah. characters really talk to the sky very mm -hmm. often. And it did come off a little bit, like, religious-y. And I kind of thought about it for a second. I'm like, well, actually, maybe he's kind of, like, going to say it. And it's like yelling at his father. Like, you know, you've never held, like, his father's never held back before. He can take it, yeah. so to speak. Um, like, if this was not Avatar, if this was a different show, I'd be like, oh, well, he's just kind of yelling at God. But, you know. Right. I don't yeah. think we There's definitely have something of God like in this world. deeper going on in this type of confrontation. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, a part of me was like, well, I think he's talking to his father because his father, you know, he probably views his father as this person of great power mm -hmm. who is capable of and and did in the past strike him down in a duel. Yeah. So, he probably saw Storm as like as a father figure like you said. And was just trying to get things off of his chest, uh, with mm -hmm. you know, due to his poor dad's parenting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I feel bad for him. I feel bad for him a lot. I, I, I would be concerned if you didn't feel bad for him. <laughs> like he's got a lot to feel bad for. Like, yeah, that's poor, a, that's a serious Zuzu. red flag. Poor Zuzu. But I'm glad I'm glad that we're all on the same page that mm. we all sympathize for Zuko. Well yeah, I would hope we all sympathize. Except Corey. Corey hates Zuko, right? I wanted Zuko and Katara to be together. Well yeah, but that still doesn't mean that you don't sympathize <laughs> for him. I never said I didn't, Mark. Yeah, you know, there we go. I was I'm making I was making fun of Corey. I, okay, no, I disagree with God the damn it. We need so disagreements, guys. We're, we're two in no, agreement. Listen, on we'll, that. Have, Actually, we'll have we'll have. I'm kidding. Uh, I, I think don't part of it is obviously like oh, oh boy, you know he's got so much emotion. That's fine. You do fight, fight, fight. His family in general, his non Iro family, like his mom is in hiding slash exile. Yeah. Is well, they go find her eventually, but that's she's somewhere. Thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um. Well, yeah, but is, let's pretend that we don't know that she's somewhere. She's a typical. She went to the. Market, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that. that <laughs> <but>. <laughs> Whoa! Oh shit! 
<laughs> she went yeah. to the throne room to get a new Fire Lord and never came oh, back. Oh, we're talking about Zuko's mom? Yeah. yeah. Yes. Read the comic. No, we're talking about Azula's no, mom. No, we're just talking in theory. We, we I think we all uh, kind of know what happened. Uh, I know they go like and go that. over it in the uh, comic, but what's the episode? Uh, I'm gonna pretend where we like we care about spoilers for a few like, seconds. Some of it is probably emotionally from his father. Uh, I I didn't interpret it like that though. It's just like more of a the world has kind of shit on Zuko in the past year. Like what he's been. And not all, and he knows mm-hmm. consciously. Yeah. Not all of this is like, uh, almost all of this is unrelated to his family. Like the shit with, um, post North Pole. Mm-hmm. There's like all the little things he tried. They got shut down. Um, if we reflect back to book one, a lot of the things he does is are like directly countered by Xiao. We're not directly, but like. No. But yeah, nothing he plans for actually goes through. Yeah. Everything he plans for goes wrong. Everything he plans, like, yeah. Yeah, so, like, to me, it was. I mean, mean, there's frustration in his father built in there, but it's also, like, everything has been so shitty for him. Like, he's just. There's not a deity, or Mm -hmm. we don't have a concept of a deity in the Avatar world other than uh, Rava and Vatu, but they don't exist for, you know, yeah. Yeah, so... Yeah, they're um, not mentioned yet, yeah. We don't know This about is, them. like, to me, someone that's just mm-hmm. yelling at, like, the situation, not necessarily at, like, his father. And, uh, you know, there's some of that in there, obviously. Like, we see him cry after he's yeah. after he yells and the lightning doesn't come down to hit him. I see that. But mm-hmm. I, I mean, I, I I certainly agree with that. I'm just like, if he didn't specifically use the 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 sort of the you uh, in the in his speech, like I would like if it was just like you know I've never it's you know nothing's ever been held back. Like if he just kind of used it more like in third person it would have been like I wouldn't have batted an eye but the fact that he specifically says you in a world where it's not like this is a Judeo-Christian we know that everyone you know we kind of expect that people believe or are at least exposed to a god like that's not true here you you kind of as a result feel like things are going to be slightly different comparatively to um like I just feel like someone has to be uh he has to be talking about somebody uh, he's, he's using you, so it would make sense on some level if, like, he's kind of feeling the pressures of his family and his father, and that kind of rains down on him. Mm. Uh. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Rains down. Yeah. <laughs> Puns are cool. <laughs> yeah. So I think that's going to pretty much wrap things up, unless you guys have anything else to say. Uh, do we have to rate the episode or? Yeah, yeah. So we're still oh. going to do our final thoughts and rating. I'm just saying, if you have any any other episode discussion type thoughts. Um, I, oh, I love yeah, Uncle Iroh. Sorry, uh, ahead, real quick. Um, we forgot in the beginning how Zuko is talking to Iroh, and he goes, 
listen, I know you'll say she's my sister, I gotta work it out. And then Ira goes, no, she's crazy. You gotta take her down. And she needs <laughs> yeah. to go down. I yep. love that line. And Ira's just like, she is no. not wrong. She's just batshit yeah. crazy. Like, take her the fuck down. If, you know, it really takes a lot. You need to do something really messed up for Uncle for Ira, Ira to be, to be like, like, yeah, she's crazy. Take like, care of her. You're crazy. But Azula is crazy. Like, it's not no, like yeah, I know. Azula doesn't do these things. I'm not, I'm not saying that. But I'm, I just thought it was, like, funny. <coughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, he's just a character who's, like, all forgiving and happy-go-lucky. And for him to be like, yeesh. You better stay away from her. It's like you know, it really. He something. did just like she did just almost kill yeah. him. So fair point. Yeah. All right. So with that, we are going to wrap this up and get into our final thoughts and ratings. Um, so even though Yuna's been here before, I will do a quick refresher on the rating scale. We are rating episodes between a zero and a ten. Zero being terrible, one of the worst episodes of all time. Ten being perfect, one of the best episodes of all time. And a five being average, right in the middle. We are rating against all of television, not just Avatar. So Avatar episodes tend to trend a little bit higher, but it depends on how you think. So, Lindsay, you can start us off with your final thoughts and your rating for this episode. Ah! <laughs> um, yeah, you know, like, we kind of talked, I talked about in the beginning, like, and other people kind of mentioned it. Like, it's one of the episodes that I kind of forgot about. Like, I knew sections of it, but for it to be, like, put back into place as one episode was uh, really good. It had really strong moments. Like, it kind of went deeper into, like, the philosophical beliefs of the bending styles, which I definitely appreciated. And um, mm -hmm. it had a really good balance of, kind of as Yoon mentioned, Zuko and Aang learning opposite bending styles almost. Kind of like um, with Zuko learning the water-based type of, like, redirection, and then meanwhile, like, Aang's trying to like get his stuff together with the earth bending. So I think there's like a really good amount of like plot points to it. That being said, like it really wasn't like the strongest episode. Like yeah, it's it's good in times and there's like funny moments, but again, compared to other episodes that we've seen, especially in this past book, not the strongest. Um, I have to probably give it a seven point seven. Okay. Sounds yep. good. And oh. how about you, Corey? Um, I'll give you two ratings. My first rating <laughs> would be if Zuko and Iroh weren't in this episode at all. We just focus on the gang stuff. Whoa. That would be below an average episode. I, I'd give it like a 4.5. Oh. But with, oh. with Zuko and Iroh in the episode, as it was, that's obviously not the real rating I'm giving it. And the Zuko and Iroh stuff was phenomenal and just the stuff i watch this stuff for like the, the thing is you guys all nail it on the head when you say that training and bending is not just training and like learning a type of superpower it's learning about culture and every culture as you notice especially in this show they, they clash with each other and that's something that's to be appreciated and that's why it makes avatar such a unique show because when you branding is tied into culture as much as just anything else, so it, it just it adds so many elements that you don't normally see in you know other similar things. So, with that in mind, this episode gets a solid seven point nine for me. 
I'm guessing you weighed the uh, okay. Zuko Iro right. stuff and Charles. significantly more heavily than Corey. Because I, like, if you take a straight average, well, then you, you would have like, given you, that like, section in the So let's say and Zuko were its own separate episode. Um, I see what you're saying, but I, I think what Zuko and Iroh do for the episode actually helps out the Aang and, uh, and uh, Toph stuff because it shows conflicting things. So I'm not giving the Iroh stuff its own rating, and then I'm not giving the Aang stuff its own rating and then averaging them out. I'm saying that the Iroh stuff complements Yeah, so it's like synergistic. Okay, that's fair. Normal average um, that makes sense to you? I, I have, like, a lot less issues with this episode than you guys do. Like, it's not the greatest, sure. But for your typical training <laughs> episode, and admittedly, this is not a thing we see a lot in, um, or at least to my recollection, in Western TV. Like, if you look at the shows from the CW, um people with superpowers just have their powers like mm. we Except oh, certain yeah, okay. who okay. does have quite a bit of training montages but but i mean like and okay uh, i'll yeah, give you arrow Oliver but like has a lot of time still uh, on the salmon ladder yeah he doesn't have superpowers um you don't see he that in like, like supergirl so. or flash and yeah, do you? We're no. talking about mm -hmm. training. Do you? Yeah. Flash, you certainly do. I mean, you get some. yeah, uh, <laughs> like a lot. Of... Yeah, in Flash, you see it all. You get time. a lot more. Cisco makes a Especially thing that solves saves Flash, the day. Where like every time Barry has to learn a new ability, that's like the, the exact ability he needs to defeat that certain enemy. You have like a montage leading into it. Like that's like such a common thing in Flash. And yeah, and, fun, and, yeah. and now Wally, Wally gets all of it now. So yeah, it's it's up there. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, you do get you get plenty of training montages. And that's I mean, true. Rocky but Rocky's from the a most, movie. You know, it's Western, and it's the most like yeah. training montage of all time. Different. Uh, anyway, um, compared to then, I guess yes. compared to Eastern training montages or training episodes rather, this is fine. Like it's, uh, it's actually more in depth than a lot of those are. Because a lot of those tend to be like just having the people repeat the form, repeat the action. And I guess in like a lot of martial arts that is a thing, but uh, since bending is, as we keep saying, more philosophical, mm -hmm. uh, it's important that they cover those points and that raises the episode's quality as a whole. As a whole. Um, I, mm -hmm. I'd give this episode like a 7.9 or something, because... I think the comedy's fine. Admittedly, maybe you could cut it down to make like the, the philosophy more in depth, but it's really funny and it's not like disruptive. So, um, and just like the mm -hmm. the the philosophy and symbolism is enough for me to say like, you know, I it, it's. Fine. The episode is fine. <laughs> I considered the fact that um, 
when faced with obstacles, uh, and mm -hmm. we see this like clearly here, Zuko is just like, I, I can't do it, and then I was like, well, let's do something else. Um, and they don't come back mm -hmm. to it, whereas in for mm -hmm. Aang, they he takes a break, and then if it does come back to it by the end of the episode and does it successfully. Like, there's a lot of interesting parallels drawn to me that's, like, it makes the episode quality better, too. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, so, 7.9. Okay. How about you, Yoon? Um, I would give this episode a 7.2. No. Um, because, I mean, yeah, it's, it's not a bad episode, I just gave it a 7.2 because it was something that I didn't quite remember the first time around. It was something that I had to kind of remind myself that this episode existed. Um, but the episode definitely had this re redeeming moments. Um, it, you know, has, like I mentioned before, two different characters with two different backgrounds learning opposite bending and the process they had to go through to kind of do that and achieve that. Um, mm -hmm. Uncle Iroh's, you know, philosophy is definitely always good. Um, it mm -hmm. definitely was an important lesson to kind of help the viewers and the characters understand that being multicultural has its benefits and that it's it's good to have an open mind because you would open up your world and kind of help you learn more and better yourself. Um, and then, you know, Zuko's... Uh, well, not not Zuko's. Sokka stuck in, in the ground, you know, had its had its good moments, had its good rock pun moments. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, other than the fact that it's not very memorable, and I believe we came to the agreement that it wasn't our most favorite training montage episode. So that's why I gave it a seven point two. Good episode. Didn't quite stick with me in the end. Um, until I rewatched it, and it has redeeming moments. Mm -hmm. Okay, so as for me, I, I think that when I first remember this episode, I was kind of in a similar place to where Corey was, I think, at the end, with like, yeah, the Yang stuff was okay, it was very necessary, but it was, you know, wasn't anything special. The Iro stuff was, was great, as Iro is usually. Um, but I actually, I've come, come around on the Aang side of things. I think that we get a lot of really nice philosophical discussions about the nature of bending and how I, like how Aang has to learn things differently and do things differently to his nature. Um, and I think that that ends up working really well. Um, I'm not like, as there's some, you know, some little bit of comedic stuff that I think is a little bit problematic, but nothing too major. So I think this overall, this episode is actually like a little, a lot better than I initially thought and, and actually quite good. Um, so I'm going to give this episode an 8.2. Um, it is a little bit lower than uh, that string of episodes we had with like Blind Bandit and Zuko alone that was truly amazing. Um, but still a very good episode. And overall, we're, we've seen you know pretty darn high quality episodes throughout all of book two. Um, and we're about to move into a very um, sort of action-packed set with uh, a couple of our, our mid-season specials that, that were both broadcasted in two-parters. So uh, I'm excited for that. So I think that we have some, as we should have some cool stuff coming up. So with that, we're going to wrap things up thank you to yoon for coming back on as a guest Yay! we really appreciate thank you for having me it's a pleasure <laughs> of course thank you to my panelists charles Lindsay, and Corey. you're welcome 
And, of course, thank you to all of you for listening in. Uh, I announced all that stuff in the beginning, so check out our Game of Thrones show, uh, The Crossroads Inn, on Mondays at 8.30 uh, at twitch.tv slash booradley, B-O-O-R-A-D-L-3-Y. That'll be in the episode description. Um, as well as you can find our VODs on YouTube. Check out our website, and you can follow us on social media. The show is auntwu underscore pod, uh, twitter.com slash auntwu underscore pod. I am stack, S-T-A-C, mo- underscore mode, S-T-A-C, underscore M-O-D-E. Um, all our Twitters and everything will also be in the episode description as well as all over the website itself. So that is some cool stuff. Um, and get ready for some cool stuff coming soon. We've got uh, a really great episode uh some really cool episodes coming up next with the library. Ooh, things are happening. Wizards. Things uh, are going to yeah. sandy. <laughs> Anything anyone else wants to add? An owl is coming. Oh. Yeah, I did, yes, he is. Call, call, motherfucker. Mm-hmm. Pretty much. Yeah, that's basically isn't it. That's the isn't show. there a fox, too? Or am I imagining things? Yes, there is a fox. But nice. first comes the bird. A gigantic ass bird. No, actually, first comes Okay, the fox. sorry, I was wrong. So what does the fox say? <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm done. That's it. Yeah. Episode over. <laughs> see you all next week. All right, see you next week. Bye. <laughs> Bye, guys. <laughs>